Welcome to the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to episode 89 of the Pantheon Plus Rewind, the weekly podcast covering Pantheon, Rise of the Fallen, and its community. This week, we're of course going over the recent giant dev stream, getting up to no good with Kilson's community debate, discussing dungeon design, and topping it off with the end of the Age of Chaos. Please. Settle in and get comfortable as we pour over some less heavy topics. Don't worry, no network stacking this time. Just the gentle drizzle of me, Desrin, and my torrential co-host, Theric, as we bring you this week's Rewind. All right, uh, so <laughs> are you seeing where I'm going with this, uh, Theric? I, I definitely see where you're going with this. It's funny, we didn't talk about this ahead of time, but I'm like, I guarantee 100%, I know what he's going to do for the intro. I know what he wants to talk about. And, I, and all these little puns, all these little hints in your intro there, I yes, I know where we're going. <laughs> awesome. Well, for, for the audience, uh, I so I had the pleasure of introducing uh, my very lore and story-focused co-host to one of the best narrative games of all time, uh, in my opinion, <laughs> uh, heavy rain. And, yes. uh, and so I have to bring it up because, uh, I have heard you guys are liking it. So, yeah. So man, it's so cool. Like, first of all, I love that this is like a game that you love so much that you felt strongly enough to tell me like you have to play this. So I take those recommendations very seriously. You know, you're ex an experienced gamer and, and your word means a lot to me. So I'm like, okay, good. We'll check it out. And it was one of those games I actually told my wife about and she loves like she's not a gamer but she loves murder mysteries she loves like you know sort of these heavy narrative games and and we've actually played some games together where she just watches me play um and uh this sounded like one that would really work and she read it and she's like oh my god we have to play this i'm like yes yes okay so we sat down we i fired up the steam link i put it on the tv we're on the couch i've got the controller and uh, this is a game that I hadn't played before. I mean, it's a very much a, a console, right? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I think it's console original. Originally, the PC. Yeah. yeah, so it, it missed my, you know, it wasn't on my radar. It wasn't a game that I played back in the day or when it came out. I don't even know how old it is, but um, Pretty it's old. great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel old, though. Mm -hmm. Like, the animations have improved. Like, there's there's better animation technology now, but the the things that it does from a technological standpoint and a gameplay standpoint, the innovations that it does are pretty impressive still. Um, we were sitting there playing it and, uh, sh you know, I'm doing the controls, which is a good thing. Cause I don't think she could do these <laughs> controls, but I'm like, you know, slowly moving the, the, the thumbstick to, to have my guy open a drawer or something like that. Like, and it's weird in the best kind of way where you just don't really know what's going on. Anyway, I don't want to go on too long. Yeah, yeah, I really yeah. enjoyed it though. But very good recommendation. I, I'm super, super glad. And it's always, you know, hard to make re recommendations because you never quite know like <laughs> how it's going to resonate. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. there, there are a few that I, I, I list under that category of like, okay, this is a, this is an important uh, title. And so I'm, I'm really glad you guys are experiencing that. But uh, and yeah, it is an important title. That's that's a great way of putting it. Because it makes me think, I'll just quickly mention, the other game we played together was uh, L.A. Noir, which had some similar sort of like, a similar kind of important game in, in gaming because it did some innovation things with technology yeah. and stuff like that. So yeah, those kinds of games are, are, I think everybody should at least try them. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. And just wait after you're done. There's a, a actually a documentary about it, uh, all <laughs> the stuff. But anyway, um, this is uh, indeed a Pantheon <laughs> podcast. Uh, um, but you know, I I can't help uh, but call out the great games. You know, when I can. Um, and you know what? Uh, we've got some great people to go with our great games in this week's adventuring party. So let me introduce them. We've got Shuriken on the Dwarf Cleric. Ziplocks on the Dark Mirror Rogue, Jason on the Scar Beard Lord, Sparrow on the Elf Ranger, Bounty Code on the Human Wizard, Bitcrunch on the Ashen Elf Shaman, and Screech on the Scar Bard. Thank you, as always, for tossing coins to this podcast. <laughs> um, well, honestly, I can't wait for our next giveaway. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's what I always Soon. see here, uh, but... Yeah, we'll do one pretty soon. Yes. But uh, but yeah, really everything we do is uh, kind of just to bring the best uh, that we can to this community. And it always just uh, feels good for the community to just uh, bring it back around. So you guys are awesome. And uh, if you'd like to join the adventuring party, feel free to throw a donation using the super chat function during our YouTube premiere. Or if you can't make it and would like to support the show on Patreon, we've got one of those too. So either way, we just like being able to do what we do and uh, have y'all listen to us each week. Uh, So on that note, let's get right into some VR news and notes. This week in Visionary Realms News and Notes. All right, so... The latest uh, Pantheon news this week, um, we are going to be going over the developer update stream that happened on Thursday this week, which we're going to get into. Um, And it's also been a while since we've checked on Pantheon's official Twitter feed, which I like to do once in a while and we have some fun with. So I think it's high time we did that. So we'll get to that as well. But let's start with the developer update. So this was on February 10th and it it was titled The Galdasi Ruins and Giants. And it featured Ronick and Minus. They took us on a little tour, both a visual and a lore tour, so to speak, um, of an area of Wild's End known as the Galdasi Ruins. So visually, it was a bit of an update to the grayboxed version of the zone, which we saw a little while ago, actually. Uh, more specifically, it was in um, September of 2021. Yeah. Uh, the developer stream was called Building Wild's End. And in that one, they showed, you know, the, all the areas of Wild's End, or not all, but a lot of the areas of Wild's End, and one of those being the Galdasi Ruins. Yeah. So um, that was the previous state. So that's actually five months work or, worth of progress, um, if you think about it, from then till till now in February, um, to go from what we saw then to, to what we saw this week. And, to you know, to VR's credit, they actually showed that clip for reference. So... So now I'm, and I'm kind of of two minds about this desert and I'll ask you to tell me sort of which, which (laughs) mind I should listen to here after I give you my, my initial take. But, um, I, I did talk about this a little bit on Pantheon plus you our after show, um, where I, you know, zone design is the most important factor. Um, designing a play space and, and, uh, that makes gameplay interesting. It makes it challenging and fun. Like that's paramount and it takes time. You can't just slap together some, you know, landscape features and call it a day. And you can tell that there, this is a very, you know, highly designed zone. Um, And it's, it's just more involved than what we may assume. But having said that, you know, five months, um, when I, when I sat back and sort of reflected on this five months to make this kind of progress, 
uh, seems a little slow, um, especially after they've repeatedly emphasized, you know, the speed at which their tools can create these areas. That's been a consistent message we've heard and they've yeah. demonstrated that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm wondering where you stand on this because obviously there's, you know, there's still a lot to do with this. I mean, this was the Galdasi ruin, right. not just not even the whole zone. They got assets to place, NPCs, mobs, all that kind of stuff. What are your, what are your thoughts on that, Does? Well, I mean, first of all, they're, they're probably not just working on this area. Um, again, I, I have to kind of assume that. Um, but yeah, so on one side, they're probably not doing everything just specifically on Galdasi ruins, I'm sure. Um, and I mean, they even reference this later in the show when they go over the patch notes of like, uh, they repopulated Thronefast, uh, for, for example. That's um, a good point. I'd missed that. You're right. Right, right. And so, and also uh, previously, the last several streams, they've talked about how, you know, they've, they've really set themselves up so that even when the programmers have like other big things to do, the designers have uh, tools and things ready so that they're not like just hanging, right? So they can be productive uh, even when like the programmers might not be as available. So, but I, I will admit like when you frame it in that, this was five months ago. You saw this like really white box. And then now we're here today and we're seeing what I would call like gray box. It's just like, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit further and it's a bit more refined, obviously. But yeah, I, I could see why you have two minds about this, man. Yeah. It's sort of funny because I didn't feel it when we were watching the stream. I was, you know, I was enjoying it. And I commented many times that I thought, you know, things looked really nice and I really liked the design. It's just when you, when you sort of, you don't realize how quickly time goes by is what it ends up being. Right? Like I didn't realize <laughs> yeah. September was when that other stream was. And that's already five months ago. So it's kind of, it just kind of takes you back a little bit. So, you know, that's, that's part of, part of what I thought. And, and I don't know, you know, what we're going to see next. And I, I don't know when the next HDRP part two stream is coming up. We keep mentioning yes, that. Yes. I think that would be pretty helpful right now. I think something like that could, could go a long way. And just to show us maybe a global, the global development, you know, like we're going to get the, we're going to get the newsletter next week with the roadmap, which will be helpful. Um, so yeah. yeah, just, just a piece that I, I reflected upon and, and thought about after, after the fact, um, but the big part of the stream was um, there was a lot of concept art. And uh, it was, was Giants, as the stream was titled. Uh, Ronick read some some old and some new lore about them, which is, of course, music to my ears. <laughs> and they <laughs> talked about um, the different types of Giants on Terminus, you know, what they look like and a little history. And it sounds like we're actually going to get the full text of that lore in the newsletter coming up next week. Um, it's actually coming out on February 17th, according to their previous um, calendar that they released. I think Ronick actually mis- misspoke on the stream last night. He said next month when the newsletter comes out. <laughs> uh, just to clarify for everyone, it's not not a month. Be next yeah. week, February 17th. Um, so, you know, the Galdasi ruins and the Galdasi giants that they talked about were basically just one of one of these different types of giants. And uh, it was fun because, you know, when you watch the stream, you get all the information, but you're also, you're not hearing the chat that's going on. And, and Joppa was in <laughs> chat and he was busy. He was a, he was a busy boy. Yeah. Dropping lots of beans, supplementing some of this information. A, a couple of questions came up that he actually answered and then I wanted to make sure everybody heard about it. Um, one of the questions was like, are there giants in Fairthale in that area? And he said, no, not in Fairthale. Um, that honor belongs to the Colossi. However, there are rumors of a giant presence in the Rhone Mountains to the north. Mm. So very cool. And it makes me think of that 
topographical map that they released a little while ago. Yeah. If you look at that and you see that there's actually like a little passage that goes from Fairthale, like a mountain passage up to the Rhones. And um, the Lord talks about the Colossi a little bit. There is reference to them. So it's not a completely new, uh, new introduction, but it's interesting that, you know, there might be something in Fairthale that, uh, you know, is not exactly a giant, but similar in some ways. So kind of cool. Yeah, I really like yeah. the concept art of the giants, like specifically, and how varied they were, um, and kind of different. Because I, I always imagine, because this is what games do all the time, is just like scaled up humans, you know, and yeah. Uh, yeah. they they look like oddly shapen, you know, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I kept noticing a lot of the, the the themes of like like really big like hips. You know, and uh, I I was just like thinking about it, like anatomically speaking for uh, uh, such a large creature, uh, a lot of like pressure is like put on the hips. And I was just go, my brain was just like going down all this, like this rabbit hole of like (laughs) how a giant would actually be structured and the way that Jared talks about it, you know, you know, he's putting so much thought into these things. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I, I wonder if that's like a part of. Uh, you know how how they go about designing mobs is is that deep you know and i wouldn't doubt it i wouldn't doubt it oh i'm sure i mean after last night's stream if if you don't think that that's how deep they're going then you're not watching closely enough i I really think that his brain is attuned to these kinds of things the the concept art was pretty cool actually i mean some of it um i've seen before and some of it was new i think the the first ones they showed were, were all new ones. And like you said, the, the anatomy was pretty interesting. I mean, some of those giants had some pretty big guts on them. <laughs> I mean, I have to say that <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was almost like, you know, it was almost human-esque in their, that the, they were human-esque, but not just like you say, elevated humans. They were, they just had some really familiar features, I guess you might say, which was, which was interesting and, and sort of makes them a little bit more real, I guess. Yeah. Um, now, I don't know what your expectations were. We, we, we always talk about expectations with these streams and we, we <laughs> keep ours in check for sure. I sure would have loved to have seen a 3D model giant. Um, I, uh, I hope that the reality that we, uh, when we do see one, lives up to the detail and the mystique that they've, they've ascribed to these creatures because, um, I mean, I know VR likes to keep their secrets and, and I agree with them <laughs> most of the time. And I feel like, you know, it'll be a cool thing to see when we finally see one, but if one, if they've done some, you know, it would have been a great addition to the stream. I think it would have sort of added another connection uh, to like where they are in development. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Do you agree with me? Yeah. And I, I love that you brought brought it back around and it's just like so applicable to last week's talk um, of like, I, I would right. like to see all of these things come to life. Uh, and we saw some of the like architecture, you know. But uh, yeah. especially being that they're, they're showing all these different types of giants, which makes me assume that we're not going to have just one reskinned giant, you know, model. <laughs> right. uh, like, giant, giant number one, and that's all you get with yep, different and, colors. You know, purple giant and yeah, green giant. White yeah. for the frost giant. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. And, and so that's my expectation now. And we didn't even get, a, you know, one model of a giant um and so it it does lead me to kind of be like all right well my now my expectations are that we will have several different types and shapes of giants so yeah i don't know 
I, you know, it's interesting. The thing about giants is that they have a they have a legacy to live up to. Because I mean, I know that they don't want to be EverQuest. This is an EverQuest 2.0. Like this is an, or three or whatever. But <laughs> giant giants and EverQuest were a big deal, right? Everybody knows that. Everybody talks about how the threat they posed, and you could hear them coming a mile away, and just you know the. the the role they played in certain quests. Anyway, yes. giants have a. There's an expectation from a from an EverQuest historical standpoint with giants. So I just think that you know they're sort of. I hope that I hope that they they have big shoes to fill. Oh, that's a terrible <laughs> pun, I'm, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Whatever, it's because it works. So um, yeah, you know, uh, it'd be pretty cool to see one someday. I hope we do get to see one soon. So. Um, there was and there was more lore actually about the giants that Ronick beyond the stuff that he read there's more he said that he didn't have time to read and he shared it with us on pantheon plus you in our chat yeah. uh, afterwards which is super cool of him to do and i really appreciate that so uh you can bet i'm going to use it in an upcoming video um, i'm not going to read it here because it was actually pretty extensive so um but i'm going to make a video about it so you can stay tuned for that yeah um but the centerpiece of this stream like i said was jared pullen's concept art tour and his description of the work and i won't go into detail because it was an immersive um 18 minutes or so i think that brought us <laughs> yeah you yeah. know really into into his world into his mindset and his mood while creating his concept art we talked a lot about it on the show um but i wanted to focus in on the mood for a second because this is something that's <laughs> actually been talked about quite a bit i mean i've been looking at the comments today on the video and looking at reddit and seeing what people are saying about the stream as i always do um the background music during the yeah. during the uh, jared's piece was super cool and like i said joppa was in chat um, that music that we heard. So this is what he says. Fun fact number one, the musical piece uh, was called The World is Born. It's an unfinished piece that they've not publicly released. So we kind of got a secret, you know, secret music <laughs> reveal, <laughs> which I love. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you felt the same way, but I listen, I heard that music well, and I'm like, oh, this is It was super reminiscent song. of that, uh, the piano piece for uh uh, the, I think it first played in that co-stream, you know, when he looks, he looks through that space in the wall yes. and it plays that. Yes. And, yes. and I feel like this is like Joppa's motif now. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> yes. the really light, like mood setting uh, piano music, but uh, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll I, see how that translates eventually to, you know, other pieces, but. Uh. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Joppa's motif is a good way of putting it. And then there was, of course, the whispering effect <laughs> Jared decided to add oh. uh, on his own, you know, and, and, and made it in. And then it's actually, um, we got a, a pretty big bean off of that whispering effect in chat from Joppa. So I know some people didn't like it. I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. I have no problem with it whatsoever. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. I'm glad that they let Jared do something like that. It makes VR real to me Then they do stuff like that. Anyway, the, the bean that we got is that Joppa revealed a zone that I don't think they've talked about before. So this is what Joppa said. He said, just wait until we do a zone reveal for the Whispering Lands. There's a reason they say Rothak went mad after venturing there, returning from the Whispering Lands as the Black Moon King. And I asked uh, JN about this in the last roundtable he did. I asked about Rothic and like where he went. So I love that Joppa's like surreptitiously like <laughs> following up on that question like you know two months later to <laughs> sort of answered in a very you know coming at it from a different angle. Um, I That's amazing. So if you didn't like the whispering fine but hey you know what it led to a bean being dropped. So <laughs> <Beans being laughs> it's dropped. pretty sweet. 
<laughs> yes. And yes, exactly. We Drac and I had this whole thing planned out for Pantheon Plus. We were going to actually emulate it too. We we're going to do the whispering thing and then it sort of fell apart, but whatever. <laughs> well, so. There was enough whispering, I think, to go around. <laughs> yeah, probably. So like I said, had time to reflect on the stream and I was thrilled with the lore drops. This is a, my, my kind of stream that I could talk about. Um, you know, like we said, left us left me a little unsure about the pace of development. Um, what are your, any thoughts on the dev stream before we move on here, Des? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think just generally that I, I feel the same. Uh, like, I, I obviously, I love the lore drops. I, I, I still enjoy the concept art, even though it has now set my expectations higher, which was kind of my criticism before. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think my hope is that as I kind of like mentioned that we're, we're only seeing like a tiny bit of the, uh, world building that they're currently doing. And the reason that things feel slow is because they're finishing off those, you know, not super visible underlying systems or that like, perhaps there's been a lot of classwork done in this time. Uh, you know, anything to uh, say that this isn't the only thing they've been working on. Um, and I can I can really see and, and really echo a lot of those criticisms of the folks that, that you know, they saw uh, eventually, in a spoiler alert, they, they actually run around in the, the gray box kind of area um, as like a video, which was a nice progression, was concept art to stills to video. But, you know, seeing a character just kind of like run around in that semi gray box, unpopulated area uh, that we saw in an even more unfinished state several months ago, this might be a little not very exciting or maybe even concerning, right. you know? Right. Um, and I mean, we, we know the timeline of the project and a lot of the, the whys uh, for that timeline, but... It, it still boils down to eight-ish years to see someone running around in a gray box area, uh, at least when you scrape it at surface level, right? Um, and we're kind of at the point where they've talked it up enough that like this year has to deliver more like concrete signs of swift progress. And I think, I think fans and critics alike are feeling that. Um, it, I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. It, it was a it was a good stream though, um, and you know, like uh, I, I I still enjoyed it, but I, I can't help but feel like if they keep like pulling this card, this like really early progress card <laughs> of content, like I think even the fans are going to start to get uneasy because you know we just we need to see some like near finished content soon. Or these like these in progress little sneak peeks are are gonna get a little old, I think. Um, yeah. So I'd like to I'd like yeah. to go back to Fairthale at some point. Like show us, you know, let's do some mechanics. Let's let's see some other game development um, avenues or yeah. areas in Fairthale because that's the completed. You know, that's probably the most completed zone of the game or area of the game. Right. Right. You know, some some bit of group play uh, in in Fairthale or you know something that they have a little bit further along, uh, just to show that hey, this 
game isn't gray box, <laughs> you know? Right. Because um, it's like you say, it's, I mean, for us, we know why we know what they're doing. We know what's going on in the background, but not everybody knows that. And they can't, I know that they, they say it a lot, but they have to mention it every stream. They really do. They have to say, look, you know, we know, you know, this may not be the biggest thing, but we want you to know we're also working on this. They did it a little bit with the, with the patch notes, yes, um, yes. but it should be, it should be always, you know, prefaced with that. Totally. And, and so, what I kind of keep coming back to uh, is is this. I, I think these streams are still for, like, us. You know, the longtime backers yeah. and people that know the timeline and, and know the whys. And the, the, the whole, like, ramp up of Pantheon gaining exposure and, and uh, you know, reaching more of the masses as they've, they've indicated they're heading towards, th- th- that's, just, that's just not happened yet. We're still in the pre-that. <laughs> um, at least I hope that's what's going on, you know? Uh, like, you know, but the fact is we're, yeah. we aren't the only ones watching. Uh, and yeah. so, that's, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, I think we're on the same page about this. Um, yeah, you know, I just... Um, I, it's hard for me to be objective because I like these kinds of streams, these these lore stuff. But I also know from a from a greater perspective, it's not everyone's thing, and and you're going to get this kind of this kind of bounce back when you show you know concept art that is you know it's it's whether it's new or whether it's old, um, it's still concept art, and we need to be in a when you use the word imminent to describe your what 2022 is going to be, we need to be yeah. you know looking at a little bit um, from more of a three dimensional view of things. So yeah. Just some feedback, you know, just start, I think we have to keep this, we have to keep our, you know, um, thoughts on this as objective as possible and as balanced as possible. We don't want to, you know, we always want the best for, we want this game to be the best it can. So, um, I appreciate your, uh, your take on that. (laughs) Awesome. Right on. So let's, let's talk Twitter now because Twitter was fun. They had a good question (laughs) up (laughs) this is, and we won't, you know, linger on this too long, but this is funny. Um, the, the community debate, this is from, uh, early last week, I think. Um, the question was, if you had the ability to pick one GM power to secretly add to your character's abilities for one week before being found out, what would you choose and why? So, if you're here for the premiere, you know, let us know in chat, you know, like, what do you think? Like, what would you choose? Or um, leave a comment on the video with your, with your answer to this, because um, there were quite a few on Twitter. And, but I think there's, I didn't think everything was covered. I thought there were some that were not mentioned. So there's room to uh, expand on this. So Desiree, start thinking about your answer too, because I'm going to ask you after we read some of these Twitter <laughs> responses. <laughs> I want to know what you think. Uh, bonus points if you don't use any of the ones we're about to hear, because the Twitterverse did have some good ones. Um, first up is Zach Hansen, also known as Quest on Twitter. He's actually also uh, contributed to the show with his fan art, which you'll see in the uh, section a bit later on. Um, So Zach's answer to this was, I would freeze all the ninja looters experience gain for a week. Take that, thieves. Brutal. Love it. Love it. Love it, man. If if you had the power to to freeze somebody like what if somebody ninja looted something was like yes you know and got away and then they this they kept playing for like a week and their experience wasn't moving and they're like <laughs> what is going on here why is this happening no you know like was it worth it was that item worth was it a worth it <laughs> so good that's uh zach is we're sharing a brain strong arm zach uh, <laughs> yes yes quest fulfilled um <laughs> the next one is from Brian and they uh, they said being able to alter my character's model and size, so that would be pretty cool. I mean, um, that that opens up a lot of like 
options, you know, like not only your model, but your size. It would be one thing if you could just like expand yourself or shrink yourself down, but also changing your model would be kind of a, kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. And there's kind of a theme of that running through here. We'll see. <laughs> okay. So the next one's from Nocturnal Demise. And they said, I'd have so much fun with monster spawning. And this would, would this not be the funnest thing ever? If you had, like, if you were, could sort of invis yourself, I mean, invis separate thing, but like just watch a camp and watch people sitting around a camp pulling mobs and then you could control like the spawn rate <laughs> separately. Like, <laughs> oh, you could screw with people so much. It would be so fun. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. I really liked that one. The next one's from Jeremy Wilson, uh, also known as Man of Rohan, our friend uh, and uh, party member. Uh, he said to impersonate a god, boss, unique creature, emote and converse with that being even run a unique event and quest with a unique reward and then feldrin had the same idea because i wanted to include his because that was the same he said i wouldn't mind being able to turn myself into a mob or a boss in the game and run an unscripted event that randomly happens on the server where the community and players would interact and possibly get a little memento or an item something to remember as a Aww. gm event yeah so good old memories of gm events right like everybody loved gm events they were always fun and we've talked about them a little bit on the show and hope we hope we hope vr does them <laughs> we want gm <laughs> yeah. events we like gm events but to be able to sort of slip into that you know persona would be pretty cool yeah um the next one is from that b guy and uh, they had one that uh, actually basgrim responded to they said eq had a monster player character on its test server for a while and i had so much fun playing there i think it had a level limit of about 20 and you used to be able to walk around helping low level characters and basgrim uh, reminded everybody that yeah that was called project m so i'm not familiar with project m do you know about this is this you know i feel like i've house? actually heard about this but i i it, it's been too long for me to say anything yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's cool, so right. So as usual, Basgrim knows everything and he's got the memory <laughs> banks to help us all out. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that would be pretty cool. I mean, being able to just play as a mob, right? Where you could where you could jump in and be a snake, you know, snake that kicks people all over the place would be pretty <laughs> sweet. <laughs> Our friend Ang S said, transform players into different models. It was always a blast to see GMs and guys do that back in the day in EverQuest. Yes. Oh yes, my yes, gosh. Yes. yes. I, I have like one of my favorite like GM memories was uh, back in the Vanguard beta. Um, there's uh, a GM that I still, I not only remember her GM name, but also her like real life name. <laughs> Uh, because she was like really good about email correspondence because you know you actually did that back in the day um yeah but uh it was gm keyj and uh her thing was turning people into chickens you know that was just <laughs> so you'd be going around and suddenly you'd be a chicken and you would know who struck um and it was just <laughs> such a fun silly little thing um and i'm pretty sure like most of the GMs, uh, they got an island named after them. So uh, I always wanted my house to be on KJ Isle because uh, I, it was just too fun. <laughs> too fun. That's awesome. That's, you know, such such good memories. And, and it's so different from how we play MMOs these days, right? Like think about like if you, you know, the, if you're competitive, if you're a high level competitive player and you get randomly turned into a chicken, it would just blow your mind. You'd be taken <laughs> completely out of your whole mindset because we just don't do stuff like this anymore. And it's a blast. And it makes memories. So yeah. that's a great, great bring up. Um, the next one's from Morgan Hanam. And they said, the ability to create spells. See what they come up with. Ooh. So, uh, yeah, that's like RPing. That's like heavy RP of a wizard, druid, uh, you know, sort of 
I don't know, magician sort of idea <laughs> and uh, being able to come up with your own spells is pretty sweet. That would be a good one. And then the last one is the good old, the one that nobody, everybody expects <laughs> comes from Captain Skeleton, which makes a lot of sense when you think about this. <laughs> and theirs was slash kill. Just borrowing the GM command, the death note for one week. It's like, oh, yes. <laughs> just walking around and death touching people. And, you know, uh, you know, I'm not a, I'm not like a, an evil person, but I got to tell you, that sounds kind of attractive. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> so throw the, throw the balance off of the world a little bit there. Uh, but I, I think a lot of people in the, uh, in the Twitter uh, comments had had something uh, around the way of uh, you know oh well, I'll just clear out the dungeon so that my group can <laughs> can go right in, yeah like that kind of a thing <laughs> done done with purpose right done with purpose yeah so I've given you a chance to think about what what's uh, what's your choice if you could have oh, one power for a week I mean I, I can't be super unique here but I would say I would love to pose as an NPC. Uh, and, and just go to like random points of interest and like dungeons and stuff. And I would, I would only respond in like slash say chat. And I would only respond if like players tried to interact with me like an NPC. Uh, like I remember <laughs> back to, you know, in like EQ where, uh, you say certain things, uh, and you know, the text chat knows to pick out certain like keywords, um, you know? Right. Um, yep, yep, yep. And uh, and I would just do that and just kind of roll with whatever like the player was inputting, so that, that I would so kind of create create whatever quest was, you know, on <laughs> their mind or what they thought it was, you know, and and you know if I could have maybe a, a stretch of that ability uh, or ones that others have mentioned, like if I could use the you know spawn command for. Uh, creatures or maybe like port them somewhere deeper in the dungeon or things like that just to go along with uh, that pretending to be an N NPC uh, that they'll they'll never see again in that place you know that incognito it that's totally <laughs> like what I would want to do yeah that's a good one that's definitely a good one you know um, for me it's like you know, invisibility is, is a pretty sense. Uh, seems like a pretty mundane power to have, but I don't know if you remember, but EverQuest after a while, somebody released um, like an offline version of EverQuest where you, there was just the world, there was no mobs or population and you could actually just go wherever, right? Like there was nothing to, no threats. Oh yeah. And I, I remember going down into the depths of, um, I want to say, what dungeon was it? I want to say Runny Eye maybe, might've been Nehenya. I don't remember. But one of them that was really dangerous, and I never actually saw the entirety of the the bottom of the dungeon. And I was like, oh, I get to go down and see what it looks like now, right? So <laughs> just to be able to do something like that would be super cool. I mean, it would be a little spoilery, but so be it, right? So, right, right. <laughs> I'll take it. So anyway, that's the, that's the Twitter question for this week. Thanks to uh, for all you folks who responded to, to VR's Twitter question. Um, it's always fun to go over those. And that's the VR news. And then in terms of notes, just a quick... Uh, schedule for us for pantheon plus this week um coming up on monday we've got this is february 14th to through to february 20th on monday drac is playing uh, lost ark all day so new mmo and i believe crypt fox may be joining him for that mm -hmm. so um tune in it might be a 
uh, all-day kind of stream with a couple of our streamer friends. And of course, Drac will be doing EverQuest again later at midnight that day, so busy day for him. We're doing Classes 101 on Tuesday at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, as we always are, finishing our last uh, session with Final Fantasy XIV and uh, hopefully giving out some grades and telling people all about that. Wednesday, I'll have my next lore exploring video up on uh, the Waylanders. That'll be on YouTube at 9 a.m. And Sparrow's streaming that evening at 9 p.m., doing uh, Elder Scrolls Online still. And then uh, that's, yeah, so that's it for Pantheon Plus for this week. I'm sure that there will be some other stuff. We just didn't get uh, didn't get it all uh, sorted <laughs> out in time for the recording tonight, but um, that's okay. So check that stuff out. And that is it for this week's VR News and Notes. When the Pantheon community speaks, we listen. So let's dig into the forums and fan projects to see what the discussion is all about. All right, folks, get your drinks ready, because uh, I think I'll be using the, the V word a lot here this week. Um, this week's community discussion is rather dear to my heart, and I'll admit it's a bit of a necro thread, um, so don't, don't fault me for that. But, uh, but this one is on dungeon design, and it comes from the thread Dungeon Design Required Encounters by... Uh, Seb Coral on the official forums. Now, the main premise of this thread comes from the idea that dungeons can vary between having linear progression with like required encounters, keying, you know, that kind of stuff, to completely non-linear uh, dungeons where nothing is required and you can just kind of go from place to place, um, however you'd like. So. Uh, this one really resonated with me because uh, as a, a little side hobby, and it's funny you mentioned this about like uh, EverQuest uh, offline, being able to go around. Right. But so yeah. what I've been kind of doing as a little side hobby has been going through the Vanguard emulator and running through each dungeon and kind of cataloging my findings, uh, like a little bit just to document the current status of the emulator and, you know, check off certain dungeons that are more done than others and stuff like that. But also just cause well, like, I mean, as many of you guys know, Vanguard was a seamless open world with no instances and Pantheon while not being entirely seamless, uh, has open world dungeons as well. So this conversation comes up pretty often about like the challenges of building dungeons for non-instanced games where groups are contesting each other for content in the same space. So this little like kind of side project has been really fun seeing how these dungeons were designed and uh, getting to think back and reminisce a little bit about, you know, the dungeons that I had experienced and, and how it all kind of like worked together uh, in spite of being open world. Um, so in that same way of like kind of going around and like seeing all the things that you hadn't seen. Um, I get to do the same thing, even though I played so much Vanguard, there's just so much in that game. I'm still finding stuff that I'm like, I didn't know that was there. <laughs> well, <laughs> or, yeah. And yeah. you're doing it through the lens of like analyzing the design, right? Like, so, so like, how did this work from a, from a design standpoint, did it funnel players to a certain area? Did it restrict them in a, in an organic way? Was there a, barrier here like really really interesting stuff a really interesting way of like uh experiencing the content yeah and there's so many like varying examples to pull from as well uh that are just super fun and i, I won't go into like detail of like each one of course but 
uh, I think it's just a really good case study for this topic. Uh, and so, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, any, anyway, let's get into some responses. Uh, so we've got uh, Susseress, uh saying it shouldn't be 100% one way uh, that uh, like a little bit of everything is good, but they lean towards not having anything required and to let the difficulty of the dungeon dictate how you progress. And that keys and content barriers should at most be like a rare way to progress. So very much for the, you kind of just go mm-hmm. where you want. I did like the- Where you're able. Where, where you're, you're able, able, yeah. Where your ability and your equipment and your skill and all those things, what you've learned up to that point, allow you to go. Exactly. So kind of a, a natural gating based on how difficult stuff is. And I loved that that was pointed out because that is in a way a, a content barrier um, it's just more of a uh, organic, natural, intuitive one. You know, like, oh, that that's a red mob. I, I, I cannot go to that part of the dungeon yet, <laughs> you know? Right, right. And it, it's, it seems like the most obvious way, right? It seems like the most obvious way. It's just that, you know, yeah, that the, what's become the norm is is something that's been an evolution from a, you know, a remedy to other problems, but you know, this is really the, the, the most common sense way of, con- of, you know, putting up barriers. Yeah. And it's funny because uh, thinking about this topic and thinking about like modern games, like going through dungeons is generally, you know, what's, what's the level variance of like going through a dungeon in a modern game, maybe like a couple levels because you're not meant to spend time in it. You're meant to get through it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the big problem. You're not meant to spend time in them, which Think about so that. funny. Think about what right? You're saying there, you're not meant to spend a lot of time here. What the heck are we doing? You know, like <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> nonsense. Yeah, but you know, this is a, a different approach. You know, open world dungeons uh, and the type of game Pantheon is. You know, there has to be something uh, in the thought out design that makes people spend time there. And uh, again, I love this discussion because. We're, we're kind of seeing how we can evolve that time that people spend in the open world dungeon. So um, we've also got uh, Jintoki88 uh, uh, popping in to say having to kill a boss in like the basement to get a key to fight a boss in the tower isn't so bad. But if it kind of turns into that linear okay, we kill A, then we kill B, and then we kill C, like, you know, kind of progression, it effectively just turns the dungeon into a big hallway, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. and so, like, that's not really good either, um, which I I kind of agree. I mean, I'm not against keying, uh, I don't think, but if you put it in a way where it's like you have to go in this exact order, I could see it making the dungeon feel a little bit less free roam, you know, which I think we want, right? Yeah, yeah, I can, I can, I can see the, I can see the, the point there. Um, I think that I, I don't want, I, like, I don't think it should be like designed that way. I mean, some them, that's just going to evolve some ways for some dungeons, right? There's always going to be the we should do this first, and then we should do this. But do we do we have to? Do does the right. boss A drop a key that leads to drop? boss b that drops a key that leads to boss c um yeah no no that's not great you know that's not great seems lazy right like it seems lazy and it also creates this you know it creates a sense of once you've 
completed, you know, connected the dots, you're done. You know? Right, right. Um, because if you had to start all that over again, just to mm-hmm. do the exact same progression, it's not exactly appealing. <laughs> no, right, exactly. So why can't I, why can, can I, you know, can we go straight to C? If I have a keeper in my group, can I go straight to C? You know, create <sighs> alternatives, right? What if you had something you know, like this? Again, I'm going back to something I said before, but like you can create these alternate approaches, alternate vectors of attack that lead to get get us out of this hallway and this um this linear thinking you know i i uh, let me bring up a little example that i was just like brainstorming um uh, not to detract from the actual responses um but like that what this made me think of in addition to the other responses we'll get to is like how keys don't have to be like super linear like you don't have to do that a b c kind of progression um, and so the example in my head kind of goes like this, and I think this could just be applied to so many things uh, because like I said, I'm not against keying, but I'm against it done in the way that was described above. Like it, uh, so what I'm thinking is like, let's say you, you are going through the dungeon naturally and you get to like a library and you could, maybe you get a book in the library that indicates several components and maybe a symbol or something like that. And those components you can get throughout the rest of the dungeon. Like maybe you get a tooth from a warg boss or a vial of blood that you find in a a hidden lab uh, in the dungeon or uh, sand from a special hourglass maybe found in the chest of belongings in like the bedchamber behind the spawn of a mage boss. And, uh, like all these things you don't have to get in order um, and they're not even all from killing like that that's I think a main key for me is that I don't want to have to kill a boss for everything um, like we're it's a player versus environment not player versus you know mob I, I really want them to push into the environment side and so my how I kind of see this coming together is like you know maybe you've gone to this dungeon several times or you know you've maybe grouped with a pug that has one of these components already or you know any number of ways that you can collect these components in the fashion that you'd like and then maybe near the entrance or something that you've seen a lot you you recognize the symbol from that book and when you go to that circle with all those components it like teleports your group to some special you know, boss area or hidden treasure vault, you know, that was referenced in the book that kind of started this whole like organic adventure. Like that is keying in a, a kind of nonlinear way that I feel is so much more flexible than the ABC. And that would be exciting for me because it would give me a, like a reason to come back uh, after I've killed you know, this one boss and gotten some component, or maybe I give it to someone else, like at the entrance, <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I hear what you're saying. I agree. And this harkens back to what I said at the very beginning of the show is that design like that takes time and effort, it takes a lot of time and effort, right? This is why we see these ABC dungeons because yeah. they're easy and cheap and easy. And, you know, design, you know, effort gets put into other things it's put into a flashy stage to have it happen on right Mm. so i just what you're talking about is not in vogue right now 
Um, should be. <laughs> yeah. Not. Yeah. Well, here, uh, Sagrada brings up kind of a point that uh, might resonate with you and, and maybe uh, uh, give a varying opinion here. So, uh, well, Sagrada agrees that dungeons should have like many options of like where you can go. Um, it's worth noting that sometimes having an order to things can help tell a story. And if there's no order at all, it can make dungeons feel that like kind of samey where you just kind of just randomly go, you just randomly like kill bosses, you know, uh, and there's like no reason mm-hmm. or meaning, you know, uh, behind it. So it's like the, the order of things can sometimes force you to understand like what's going on. And so I, like, I kind of get that. Um, like it, yeah. I think if it was literally just like a, a completely open dungeon and you just kind of just randomly like kill bosses, it would it would get old, man. It would get really old. There's got to be I don't some. Know. I'm going to surprise. I'm going to surprise you a little bit and say that I actually don't agree with that. Um, it it takes me back. There was a stream where Joppa, uh, the co-stream where Joppa, somebody in chat said, you know, why are you in this dungeon? And Joppa's like, uh, and co asked the question of Joppa. Like, oh okay, yes, well, I remember. What's, what's the story here? And Joppa's like, there. You're here because of your own story. You're here because you want loot <laughs> or because you, <laughs> you know, you're interested in what's down there. Like this, this, this linear story. And, um, I don't think it detracts from the, from the, the lore or the, the story building when it's not done in a linear fashion. If I want to know like, um, what Hyoket, uh, the backstory to her is and why I'm there to kill her. I've done that at some point. I've explored the library part of Devair, right. On my own time and done it or, in that group or whatever. It doesn't have to move from point A to B to C to make sense from a story perspective. Hmm. So I'm a little bit, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with that actually. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I, I, I definitely can see the appeal in being able to just do, you know, rather than like, Mm -hmm. I, I I get it. You know, you don't want to be forced, um, if you're not interested, uh, not to mention, I think, you know, as we were kind of talking about uh, at, at the start of like, man, if you have to do stuff in a, a long particular order, it, it it actually feels worse to repeat it. Um, right. And so. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe you can do it over the course of, you know, two months because you just randomly get groups to go to different areas of the dungeon. One week you're in the library area camping a, a spawn. Next week you're in the tower where there's another piece of the story that you need or not need, but you know, forms the story in its in entirety. That's my, that's how I want to do it. Like that's my vision of um, dungeon design integrating with story and lore. Yes. I, I actually, it brings up an analogy that I can't remember where I heard this, but uh, it, it's the difference between uh, reading a book cover to cover versus putting a puzzle together and finally starting to see the picture as you add more pieces. hundred percent, hundred percent. So exact, good analogy. I, I definitely lean towards the latter. I will say that. <laughs> yeah. I, I've been solving puzzles in computer games since 1994, man. Like you're not, this is what it's going to be, right? Like this is how my brain works. Linear stories, I'm going to say Final Fantasy XIV is the most linear game I've ever played. It is so on the rails, straightforward story. And I get it. I get it. Some people like that. It's not It's not for me. Yeah. I mean, but f- for a, a role-playing game where you are your character uh, in a world and making your own story, 
it actually doesn't make as much sense to force people down a particular path, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Perfect. Well, uh, let's see. We'll get uh, one more uh, response here from Squirrely Pete, uh, bringing up something that I know uh, VR has touched on in the past, which is uh, the idea that dungeons might actually serve really wide varieties of uh, player levels. Uh, so if there's a dungeon that has both level 20 and level 50 content, there can be a type of keying that is a little a little more than uh, you know just the levels being different. And that is stuff like acclimation or climbing uh, and all the other things that VR has integrated into the game to make it an adventure, but also a certain amount of progression. I think of that that wall that they couldn't quite climb in Fortress Dev IR Air. This is like there's obviously something yes. up there, and it's not yes. your level that's holding you back. It's it's something else, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, different aspects of your character that aren't as developed. You know, like it's hard it's hard to talk about this and not talk about some of our. PA experiences. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. Because it's just, it's so relevant. It's so relevant. And, you know, you've seen us play Devire, you know, um, they've showed Halner Cave a bunch. All this is present. All these different types of um, uh, barriers, obstacles, whatever you want to call them, um, based on different aspects of your character, your abilities, they're all there. They're all there. Yeah. So, but but that's, again, yeah, that's it's, it's it's all uh, it's not really the same kind of linear as uh, forcing you to go down a path. It's it's really just more options. But it's I still th feel like it is keying to some extent because the, you have to meet a certain requirement. But uh, definitely preferring this approach uh, for my group based uh, exploration adventure RPG. MMO, <laughs> you know, like absolutely, yeah, for absolutely. Sure. This is this is what this is what Pantheon's about for me. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I'm even more excited about this now. <laughs> like talking about <laughs> Good. it. Good, right? I know, right? <laughs> me yeah. too. But yeah, I want to play now. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, overall, uh, you know, the theme here is that VR should mix it up <laughs> as much as possible, and and they do, you know. But uh, mm -hmm. just that this should be a, a real focus because you know if it's always kill boss A, kill boss B, then boss C is just it turns these open world dungeons into more like uh, like instances, but with like the annoyance of others, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, seriously. And but like with you know some creativity, like they can create some really like some uh, continuity, I would say. Uh, but but with progression and and you know making sure it's not just randomly killing bosses, but uh, that it is free free flowing like that. Like a like they can have both that progression feeling of I'm going deeper into the dungeon. I got farther than I am I got last time, or I've gone to a new place and like maintain the benefits of a true open world without kind of sacrificing that uh uh i don't know continuity i guess <laughs> yeah good. well said that's that's you got it you got it spot on right there <laughs> awesome well great little talk uh again necro the thread but uh <laughs> feel free to go check it out on the official forums and, and add your own input uh i'm sure the more ideas the better so uh get that going again and that is going to be it for this week's community discussion the Pantheon community is full of cool projects, new people, and things that are just worth sharing. 
Hmm? What's this over here? <gasps> Look at that. So let's see what we can find in this week's Community Spotlight. All right, and uh, this week we've got two introductions from the official forums to shout out. We've got Rykon and Dokken. So it looks like Rykon pledged recently uh, after following for about six months. So it's it's awesome to see newer folks, honestly. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm pretty sure Dokken has been around for uh, a good while. And uh, but I have noticed recently he's been uh, more active on the forums, and he's also a content creator. So I uh, just want to extend a welcome to That's both great. of y'all. And uh, and of- yeah, welcome Rykon, welcome Dokken. I watched Dokken's video. Um, uh, couple days ago it's really yeah. good really good everybody should check it out yep absolutely i'll i'll, I'll shout it out again um but uh, later uh, as we're going through that too um but uh but yeah of course uh you guys have been really great about jumping onto these threads and, and saying hi and so i'll say it every time but uh you know if you haven't done it before uh it takes a few seconds and uh you never know you might make a friend <laughs> honestly um <laughs> yeah never know now uh in the fan fiction corner we've got another entry to ben and i's series am Saul's focus uh and this one is the blast of war part nine and it comes with ben and i's signature screenshot art technique to spice up the story with some visuals and it looks really cool really cool it does. I got to catch up on this story. I've fallen behind because I just haven't been uh, had the time to do it. But I got to catch up. But yeah, he makes he's a great writer. Great story. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, so let's get to the video content. So uh, Pantheon related uh, video content. We've of course got Sparrow with uh, an awesome video uh, summarizing and recapping the smart leashing mechanic uh, that we're you know hopefully going to be seeing uh, in Pantheon pretty soon in action. Um, again, yep. really great summary. Uh, Sparrow's really killing it with the uh, uh, scripting, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. Really great. She's on point. Yeah. Current topic and something that uh, people are really interested in knowing about, the smart leashing stuff that they've talked about. And uh, uh, yeah, so I've, I've watched that one as well. It's very good. <laughs> yep. And we've also got uh, Corey T Gaming is back and uh, gone through a few more of the Pantheon classes, including the Druid, the Enchanter the monk and the paladin. Uh, so again, you know, it's kind of conversational kind of hanging out with a friend video. So if you like that, go check out Corey D gaming. And uh, lastly, as you mentioned, we've got Dawkin um, and Dawkins content creator for kind of all sorts of stuff, you know, wow. And, uh, and other stuff, but recently dropped a video about Pantheon, just kind of <laughs> I mean, gushing a little bit, uh, <laughs> gi- giving his take on why Pantheon is, is uh, so important. And so um, again, Definitely go check it out. Um, and I, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, as usual, if you miss or if I miss something, <laughs> let me know. And uh, I'm happy to shout out any, you know, Pantheon content creators or community members. Uh, so make sure to check the links that I'm going to uh, handily put in the description. And um, you can jump straight to anything that we've mentioned. And uh, that's going to be it for this week's Community Spotlight. Sit back and relax. It's time for The Lore You Know. Okay, the Age of Chaos comes to an end this week. In In what is one of my personal favorite pieces of lore, a scene that I hold near and dear to my heart, we're going to hear about how the races of Terminus, with the aid of the Sons of Terminus, Turn the tides of war back against the ravaging lord and his armies. 
culminating in a final scene which should burn into your memory for years uh, to come to signify not only an end, but also a beginning, at least in my interpretation. So sit back as I give voice to the wonderful writing of Pantheon's lead writer, Mr. J.N. Gerhardt, as we let the lore you know soothe your soul. Yet the sons of Janavi's vision would rise, and with them came the morning which broke the revenant into utter chaos. These six sons of Terminus were warriors of godlike power in physical might and arcane discipline, one from each pantheon of the sacred. More commonly called war wizards, they are most easily described as high mortal beings of nearly pure supernatural ability. I confess their existence is contested by some today. So strange is their origin and decisive was their merit. With no warning of any kind, the dual terrors set upon the revenant high mortals with furious precision. Hathis Krebjel fled before her assailants, and is since so rarely seen she is thought perished. True to his namesake, Osari raged in ferocity and managed to wound one of the war wizards. But his might could not overcome the relentless heroes, and he fell dead on the very earth he had wiped Havensong from, as if he had merely prepared his own grave. The ravaging lord himself was not easily countered. In a turn that should have given the six great pause, he chose not to face the war wizards, smiting loose his grip on rainfall. While his twin armies on Kingsreach and Whitethaw were reeling, he withdrew to the volcanic mount Kadrahor in the north. Now utterly leaderless, the Revenant and their allies were chased off each continent, save for the Lord and his army teeming in the volcano foundry. In these conflicts, Avendir, the young heir to Amonsal's throne, showed himself a leader of battlefront fearlessness. In 485, he and Kazis led the armies of the Six, and with the Six Sons of Terminus, they marched on Kadrahor as one host, intent on extinguishing the Black Flame forever. Yet, even in this short time, the Ravaging Lord had grown in power, and depravity. Too slowly, it was understood that he cared not who survived, setting loose rivers of molten ore across the jagged terrain of Kadrahor once the armies had entered it. The forces of the Six were divided and trapped, easily ensnared by the expectant Revenant. Yet, with their supernatural fervency, two of the war wizards moved directly to the Ravaging Lord, knowing his death would avail all threats. But after a furious melee, one lay dead, while the second was in desperate peril. Yet, these were not all the mighty warriors to arrive on that day of days. Suddenly, the earth shook, and one side of the volcano burst forth in thunder and spray. Out from the rupture flew Ryakafiros, the rainborn dragon whose dominion was over this very continent. Setting herself between the Ravaging Lord and the Sun, she clutched the pillar Ka that towered in the middle of the battlefield and roared a declaration. These pillars are believed to be a signifier of rainborn authority on each continent, for there is one on each major realm. Rykafiros blew thick flames over the two armies, without regard for division. Her fury was awesome, yet before she could face either warrior, the ravaging king made his final move. With each malevolent fiber of strength, he impaled the head of the beast upon the pillar caw, even as she loosed billows of fire. This moment was only surpassed by the next, to which I relent my narration in favor of an actual witness, the human signal bearer, Marthos Bosimir. After this, an even more deafening roar erupted, shaking the foundations of the planet and silencing the entire war on all its lingering fronts. 
In this quiet, only the immeasurable wings of yet one more beast were heard as they dipped below the clouds that hazed over the battlefield miles above us. This was the Dragon King, Rocknilthamos. In a flash, his monstrous head pierced the clouds of storm and ash. He crushed the ravaging lord in his mouth, but gently enough to flip his pierced body into the air, incinerating it with a blast of molten flame. Rocknilthamos lifted his wings but once, and the entire veil of cloud dispersed. His size was peerless, yet his form and color were majestic beyond compare. I knew him to be the king of beasts, but there I saw it. His claws dug into the peaks of the mountain range, and it dawned with clarity that he was about to act further. Even as our armies attempted to flee, the Dragon King drew in a massive breath to scorch all he surveyed in flame. Yet, there was a crack and a roll of thunder across the sky. A small glint catches in the pool of Rocknilthamus's eye, and the colossal dragon hesitates. Faster than his lid can blink, a creature like no other I had seen, though small in comparison, with one hand closed over the mouth of the Dragon King. There was a howling from one corner of the battlefield, but I could not tear my eye away from the sight above. Hovering thousands of feet in the air, it speaks. Blood for blood, King. There is no breach. The Dragon King's growl reverberated as he replied in kind. One for grace, emissary. Yet, in the future, there will be a red blood. Drawing the clouds over his ascent, Rocknilthamus soared into the skies, cast one shadow over all the scattered armies and forever disappeared. The creature that stopped his anger and saved us all was never seen again. Such was the end of the Deicide War. And that is the lore you know. And that brings us to the end of episode number 89. Desrin, my friend, as always, thank you for keeping our show on point. <laughs> and I look forward to checking in with you again next week. As always, as always. Right on. And thanks everyone else for hanging out with us. It's uh, always a pleasure. Remember, check the links. They're in the show notes or the video description. And if you want to uh, support the show, leave a like, uh, subscribe to the channel, uh, leave a review on your podcast provider, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we appreciate every single one of you who join us every week. So have a good one and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Pantheon Plus is not affiliated with Visionary Realms. Be sure to check out our Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube channels under the name Pantheon Plus. You can follow Theric at Pantheon Theric on Twitter, and Desrin at Desrin Does also on Twitter. And you can stay up to date with all things Pantheon at www.pantheon.plus. Until next time, cheers, and thanks for listening.